He delivers us from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He covers us with his pinions, and under his wings we trust and find refuge. His truth and faithfulness is our shield and our buckler. We are not afraid of the terrors of night, nor the evil plots and slanders of the wicked. We are not afraid of the disease, destruction, or sudden death that stalks in darkness. Trouble will not come near us. The Lord is our refuge, our dwelling place, and no evil will befall us. Nor any calamity come near our home, our church, or wherever we are. God's angels accompany, defend, and preserve us in all our ways of obedience and service. We call upon God, and He will answer us. He will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us, and He will honor us. We are satisfied with long life. At victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. giving us hope and joy and peace and when God calls you to do something it means that it's your responsibility to stand and when you've done all the stand you still stand amen so I consider today that we've turned we've become adults because it's 80 years <laughs> we're adult pastors now um, and so we have um, been drinking younger than this though so we're not going to wait until 21 to start drinking because we drink the Holy Ghost at a very young age. So this is my whole thing. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so we're, we're celebrating 18 years. It was uh, September 22nd, 2002, that we officially uh, were installed as the pastors here. 
And uh, it is our joy, our privilege, and we're still having the time of our life. You know, it was funny because uh, when we first uh, became pastors, and we went to this uh, minister's round table where other ministers were, and they were sharing, and they said, uh, you know, we're like, oh, you know, we're green, we're excited, we're having the time of our life, and I said, oh yeah, it, that'll wear off. It hasn't, Amen. and it's not going to. Amen. 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 And uh, we made a decision early on that we're just going to love people, Amen. no matter what. And we love you. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And uh, it is our joy. So I'm going to share some testimonies. And I know that uh, some of the leaders wanted to say something. We're just going to have them uh, say whatever they wanted to say now. And then uh, I'm going to share the word a little bit. It'll be a short message. Can you say amen? <laughs> it's not my forte, but, uh, you know, you work with what, uh, what you have. So, how many of you welcome our leaders? Okay, I guess I'm closer to the center. (laughs) So I'll go first. And Nelson and I can share a mic since we're married. And Miss Dottie said she never uses a mic, so she's not going to use one. And then Tony and Michelle can share. (laughs) Okay, so I've been here 12 years. And the reason I don't usually talk about it is because I'm full of emotion about it. But my life, you would not recognize me 12 years ago. So I am so grateful. I was praying in my kitchen that God would send me someone that I could interact with to experience the life of God. I had grown up in church. I knew the word, but I didn't know the life that I saw in different people. And so I realized that I needed someone that I could rub shoulders with and actually see how they were hearing God's voice and how they were obeying God's voice. And the Lord brought me here 12 years ago. And I've never been the same. So I'm so grateful. And Pastor Doug and Pastor Fiona, they show you the love of God. Like they said, they love people. They love God. They're honest. They're open. They live their life inside out. You can see the relationship with God. You can see their passion for the Word of God. There's nothing that you, you they keep hidden from you. They expose God to people, and they live their life openly. I learned so much just by listening to them and watching them. The first year I was here, I cried every time I heard the Word of God because it was so powerful. It just washed me and changed me. It just got rid of all the pain. The worship here, I just totally became a new person with freedom of expression. I found my voice and I was able to speak and I discovered who I am and how my Father in Heaven loves me and how I can be bold in expressing that to Him and not be concerned about what people think about me. I just totally became and wrapped with God. His love as my Father, Jesus as my Savior, and Holy Spirit 
as the one who helps me and teaches me. He made the word come alive in me. And, and uh, that, together with the body of Christ, and with the pastors leading us and teaching me so many things, by example and by word, all together, it brought the whole package for me. And then my life has changed, changed my family, my four children, and it brought me to Nelson. So I am grateful for God just incorporating all his words that he's written about me in my book in heaven. And how he's just laying them out for me one step at a time. And I appreciate all of you, part of VCF. I'm grateful that you're here. And thank you for this opportunity to share with you. Yeah, myself, I've been here eight years now. But uh, when the Lord sent me here, the word victory itself. To me, the battle was already won. It's God's here. He's been here. But just the river itself is flowing so thick, mm-hmm. so wide, so deep. Yeah. But the color of it changed to gold. Mm-hmm. The purity of God's here. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. But he said the, the teaching these pastors have is, is awesome. It's like every time he speaks, like a nugget, nugget, nugget. <laughs> it's awesome. And thank you for the great love that you have and compassion. That the greatest pastors I've ever sat in front of. It was awesome to have you. Thank you. Okay, I came to Victory shortly after Nadine, and it was like a fluky experience. I was planning to go down to Baltimore. I had reservations made to go to Baltimore to. go attend the Benny Hinn conference. And anyways, the Lord actually had me not go there. He said, send them some money that you would have paid for the hotel, but I want you to go to the church on the hill near your home. And it was like, okay. So I called my friend, said, I'm not going. So she said, okay, she's going to go to another church too. So uh, the church that we had been attending had just... Uh, closed down. So, uh, anyways, I came here, and I sat out there in the parking lot, and I sat there, and I sat there, and I kept looking at my watch, just like, and he's saying, go in, go in, you know. I never had walked into a church that I remember by myself, and it, it just felt like so uncomfortable. But once I got in the door, Nadine and her kids were there, and they were so cute, and they were huggy, and, you know, it was like, it was just so wonderful. It was the warmest feeling I ever had. And when I turned and started walking down the hall, I heard the Lord say, you're home. And so I've been here ever since, and it's close to 12 years, almost 12 years, and uh, the thing that I love about this house of God is that is exactly what it is. And we don't just hear the word, we hear the living word. And that doesn't come from everybody. But these two people here have been like astronomical in my life. And it brought my family to church and my husband. And so I'm very, very thankful. 
And so I want to say to you, congratulations. Made this up for you. It's just a little thingy uh, for the 18 years. And uh, Nadine and I were meeting for VCF Cares on Monday. And when we were done, I said to her, I got to look up what the word 18 means, what the number 18 means. And it was like right before we left, she got a text message from Lisa Schmidt. And Lisa said, the number 18 means in Hebrew, in gematria, a form of Jewish number uh, numerology. The number 18 stands for life because the Hebrew letters that spell chai, meaning living, add up to 18. And because 36 equals 2 times 18, it represents two lives. So it's the two lives of our wonderful pastors. And that's one thing that the church has now, since they came, that they didn't have, never had before. And that was, we got two pastors. We got a husband and wife team, and they're both pastors. And so we're thankful. And we, uh, uh, I also then, I thought, I've heard Pastor Doug say, like, when they chose to come here, they had never heard of Palmyra. And so, you know, I had said, well, I know Palmyra is in the Bible. And it definitely is. And anyway, Palmyra is still in existence uh, somewhere else, but they call it Tadmer now. It's in the Syrian desert. And so I looked up and I printed out some things about Palmyra that you can keep. And I just want to say again, thank you so much. And we really appreciate you. Thank you. Is this thing on? (laughs) Okay. I don't know if you know this, but the good Lord has a wonderful way of putting people in your life when you need it, whether you realize it or not. I'm going to try and get through this without, uh, you know. (laughs) Bear with me. I typed it, so. (laughs) VCF has been and always will be a second home for myself and our family. We found this wonderful family by chance, God's design. (laughs) Roughly 13 years ago, Keegan was in a car seat. (laughs) We have been blessed with the guidance, compassion, loving care, and the ever-needed blunt force trauma (laughs) by this I mean the straightforward words of encouragement that needed to be heard at the time the people here are kind and gracious loving and compassionate just as the pastors are this is an amazing spiritual home where the Holy Spirit flows and that is a true reflection on the hearts of the pastors. We love you guys. From the early days.
And you know, this isn't uh, solely about us. It's about what God has done. And, uh, you know, God works through people. And it's really uh, a partnership. And um, when God created man, he really wanted someone to pal around with. I mean, think about it. God created man. He walked with them in the cool of the day. He talked with them. I mean, he let man name the animals. And, you know, God has great plans for every one of us. And uh, this is part of the plan that God has for us. I want to read a few more testimonies and then uh, we'll dismiss the kids here in just a minute. I want to say uh, I love the pictures and the statements coming in. That was really awesome. And uh, that was a great way to uh, capture some things that God has done here. <clears throat> and uh, this person says, the, the teaching I have received at BCF is invaluable. I'm so thankful for what I have learned about who I am in Christ, my inheritance, and how to use my sword to name only a few. I'm truly grateful to our Lord for this church where I have learned to walk in victory. Praise the Lord for providing me uh, this tremendous gift. And so uh, I still want others to also share in this victory the Lord has given to uh, us believers. And another person said, uh, after working with the pastors, I've been able to move forward in my walk and learn how to function in the kingdom of God and receive what I thought I was always going to be automatically given to me. After listening to Pastor Doug, I began to take the word more seriously, dig deeper, and apply it to myself. A big breakthrough happened when I replaced a piece of the pie mentality with the truth of the word regarding seed time and harvest, that God uh, does not have a limited supply. Another person said, I am so thankful for this church. It keeps me connected with Jesus in a mighty way. For a while, I was without a church. I went to a new one in my community, and the first sermon I heard was that what happened to people, healing was during Jesus' time on earth. Even though this church practices saving people, I ran quickly away from this place after uh, talking to the pastor and telling him I was living proof that what he preached was false. He didn't believe me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, this is from a mama's perspective. Um, we were invited many times to come to service or have the kids uh, come to youth group. However, at that time, I had a failed marriage, was hurt, angry, and pretty much done with church and anything that had to do with uh, hearing the gospel. Yet I agreed that my two upcoming teens could attend youth group, if anything, just to see their friends. Seven months later, the kids attended their first youth camp. The family was still not uh, was still the family was still not attending church. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and became totally on fire for God. That was a humbling wake up call for me. At that moment, I realized how my actions were failing myself and my family. There's not enough paper to explain all that 
you guys have done and continue to do for myself and my family. We are together, marriage restored, and we don't just attend church, we each have our own growing relationship with Him. Our minds continue to be renewed since we have placed ourselves in the position to receive the truth. We accept God for who He really is, a God who is for us, never ever against us. We all choose to have this life, pursue our dreams, and achieve our goals. We have bumps in the road, but uh, the following are just a few of the changes we have made, recognized, which have totally uh, enhanced the dynamics of our family. Recognize strife and eradicate it. Focus on potential rather than problems. Live in faith, not fear. Encourage rather than compete. Build up, not tear down. Freedom instead of control. Live, not just exist. Speak words of life rather than words of death. Question, don't accuse. Discover our identity in Christ, our potential. Learn confidence is not prideful. Realize there really is a, 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 warp, a, a reward for every situation we go through. Can you say amen? amen? So those are just a few, and I know that many of you have your own stories of what God has done for you. And, uh, you know, we give thanks to God. And uh, he gets all the credit because he gets all the glory. And we're just uh, joyful participants of his amazing plan. Amen? And uh, before I dismiss the kids, I just want to uh, share three things. Did you know that your giving makes a big difference in your life? Yeah. And um, oftentimes in the Bible, um, he refers to giving as a seed. And just like any natural seed, when you plant one seed, it multiplies and it becomes more. And the seeds that you plant in your tithes, your offerings, your special giving and all that, um, it makes a difference in your life. And uh, I just want to read three scriptures about the difference that what people gave, and this often refers to seed, but it applies to our finances as well. <clears throat> and uh, God, say God wants me to prosper. <laughs> You know, he really does. And uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 26, um, I want to read uh, a passion or a portion of scripture there, um, if I can find it. It's where um, Abraham sowed. Hallelujah. Well, I'm having trouble. I'm in Genesis 20. Oh, oh, verse 12. I'm sorry. Verse 12. All right. Notice what it said. 
I want you to notice the levels of increase. Then Isaac sowed in that land. He sowed where God told him to be. Okay? So God was leading, guiding, and directing him. And in the same year, everybody say the same year. He reaped a hundredfold. And notice the next phrase, and the Lord blessed him. Did you know that God's in the business of blessing people? Just like you. And verse 13, it says, And the man waxed great. He went forward and grew until he became very great. So waxed great, going forward, became great. He prospered, he increased prospering, and became very well, the other translation said. All right, go with me to uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And uh, he sowed and he reaped and God blessed. And verse 20. Mark 4, verse 20. He talks about a seed being on good ground. And he said, And these are they which are sown on good ground. BCF is good ground. Such as hear the word and receive it. And bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You see the different levels there. Right? And then Luke 6.38, final scripture. Hallelujah. It says this. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, good measure, shaken together, Running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Can you say amen? Amen. So whenever you give to BCF, whether you give here or online, or you bring it in, or you send it in, however you do it, uh, your seed goes into good ground and God multiplies it. Amen? And he wants to bring you into that place where you have a full supply. To prosper means to have a full supply. And then you have enough for yourself, but enough to give when people have a need as well. So, Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for the faithfulness of people at BCF to give and to sow. And, Lord, I thank you that you're causing increase to come to them. You're causing them to abound, to experience your provision, your prosperity, your peace, and your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. And here you can give anytime during the service. Containers in the back, or if you want to give online, you can do that as well. And I just want to let you know, men, 12 and older, the end of October, we're having our fifth annual Everyday Hero Men's Conference. And men, I want to, it's free. Everybody say it's free. free. So there are no excuses. <laughs> right? And uh, we're going to have some food and refreshments. We're going to give you the word. You always get a gift on top of everything. So I would encourage you this year to come uh, October 30th and 31st. It's going to be a great time. Amen. And uh, I believe next Saturday is Barnabas Group. Uh, We have our breakfast of encouragement right here at 8.30 a.m. And uh, that's going to be a a great time as well. All right. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you. I, I, I have that here. Um, yes, this is another uh, testimony. And uh, 
Because Pastors Doug and Fiona of Victory Christian Fellowship have been an incredible blessing to both us individually as well as to Stephen Hoffman Ministries. They are a strong representation of the love and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen them minister that love both here in PA as well as in Guyana and Kenya. When they minister the Word of God and proclaim His truth, faith arises and we have seen lives changed in this body of believers. You are so blessed to be a part of this leadership team and Pastors Doug and Fiona. May you go forth with continued zeal and passion to proclaim salvation, healing, and deliverance to the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, how many enjoyed uh, when Stephen and Beverly were here? Hallelujah. They were here uh, as we uh, left. You know, um, when you think about it, I mean, uh, over 18 years, I've probably delivered more than 1,800 sermons. That's a lot. All right. We have some kids here, kids who are living in faith, kids alive. That's kids living in faith every day. How many are excited about our kids? How many are grateful for our teachers? And uh, this morning I want to talk to you about that which will last. And I want to start off by telling you a story. Several years ago, there was a young man who lived in the Midwest. And uh, he encountered the Lord at a young age. He grew up going to church, but he never knew the Lord. And when he met the Lord, he was overwhelmed with joy. He was thrilled. He was excited. He was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do, go wherever God wanted him to go, and be whatever God wanted him to be. Nothing else mattered as much as doing what God wanted. And uh, one day, while he was praying, he made a decision. And he told God, he said, wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And whatever you want me to be, I'll be. And that started, or that opened the door of revelation of the course that God had planned for his life. And it was that in that exchange where he was given an instruction for direction. And uh, he went to a Bible school in Oklahoma. And when he was done with there, the Lord sent him to Tennessee. And he walked around the campus of Lee College, now Lee University, and he was wondering, why did God send me here? Well, there was two primary reasons. One, he was going to get his first opportunity to exercise all the knowledge in a practical ministry. And second, he was going to meet the most amazing, wonderful, 
and beautiful woman ever. Of course, you know the story is about me. And it's about doing God's will. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to share things, some things today with you. And I want to inspire you and encourage you. He says a powerful thing here in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. He says this, and the world passes away. Did you know that we're living in a world that's passing away? But God is going to, when Jesus returns, He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the lust thereof, the desires of the world are passing away. But He that does the will of God abides forever. I want to encourage you today that the only thing that's going to abide forever is whether or not we do God's will. We were not accidents. God thought of you. God designed you and God created you and brought you to be living on the earth at this time. He brought you by, through whatever household you came in. Even in the worst scenario, no one is an accident. We are all created beings by God. He he created us. He breathed the breath of life into us. There's not one person here that was a misthought of God where he says, oops. Oops is something that you never want to hear your hairdresser or barber say. (laughs) But when it came to you, God never said oops. He made you on purpose, for a purpose. He created you. He designed you. And in your DNA, He put a desire in every one of us, and only that desire can be filled when we connect with Him and do what He wants us to do. I got to BCF. Because we did God's will. God brought us here 18 years ago. I knew that when I was at Bible school, God said, you'll travel for a short time and then you'll pastor. But when he said that, I had no idea where that would be. Mm-hmm. Or where I would end up. Uh, several months ago, I was talking with Gabriel And I was discussing how many jobs I've had since I was 16. About 34. I've had about 34 different jobs. But I've had this job for 18 years. This must be the calling that God's called me to. Amen? But no, that's true. I I work, you know. My, my, My dad made a good living. He took care of his family. But uh, I worked. And I've been working ever since. So, he that does the will of God, will abide. how many would like to abide forever? Then you need to make a decision today that from this moment on, you're going to do what God wants you to do, you're going to go where he wants you to go, and you're going to be what he wants you to be. Yeah. 
You know, he told his disciples in Matthew 6, 10, he said, uh, when they asked him about prayer, and part of that, part of what Jesus said was that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know in heaven, no one argues about what God's will is? <laughs> Did you know that in heaven, when Jesus asks someone who's there, would you mind doing this? They're not going to say, I don't feel that. <laughs> They're not going to say, I don't want to. In heaven, everybody does what God says. And they're happy and pleased to do it. But you know God wants the same thing here on earth? Doing God's will will be the greatest thing that you'll ever do. You'll never find anything that gives you as much joy than doing what you were created to do for God. You know, some people are doing what they're created to do, but they're doing it for the wrong kingdom. They're doing it for themselves, or they're doing it for the world, or they're doing it for other things other than God. I mean, think about Elvis. Just imagine if Elvis was a praise and worship leader. You know? We'd be praising, talking about the devil. He ain't nothing but a hound dog. (laughs) Crying all the time. He would have been an amazing worship leader. But he just used his gift for the wrong kingdom. He had a gift, amen? So, God's will, it's what he desires. It's what he wants. It's what he has assigned. So, God's will is the exact opposite of the world's will. It's in opposition. What the world wants and what God wants often disagree. God's will is good, and it leads to good. Anything that abides forever is good. But the world's will, see, if you're doing the world's will, you're doing the will that's passing away. And it will not last. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. God's will is eternal. It abides forever. Doing the world's will will fade away. It will fade out. Doing God's will is really about loving Him. Loving the Lord. Loving His Word. Loving His Spirit. Loving the way, the truth, and the life. That comes from God. It's really about who we love and why we do what we do. And, you know, true love involves obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Don't just talk about them, don't just think about them, but actually do them. Jesus actually wants us to do what he said. Amen? It what a concept. Well, I mean, when, when you're Lord, you get to dictate those things. Right? Say, Jesus is Lord, and I'm not. So, when we make choices in life, are we choosing it because of ourselves, someone else, or because of God? And doing God's will, God will never force you to do it. It's always a choice. 
He always offers rewards if you do it, but there are consequences if we don't. They're already in there. So, he's talking about here in 17, the world is passing. So if you love the world, you're loving something that's passing away. Alright? But he who does the, the will of God will abide forever. That's awesome. Go with me to, uh, well, let me just mention this. Psalm 143.10. Did you know it is easy to find out God's will? Psalm 143, verse 10. You can, you can look it up. You can look it on the screen or you can see it. It says, teach me to do your will. God made doing his will so easy. He wants you to know what it is, and it's easily found. Yeah. You know, uh, God doesn't use his will like you would dangle a carrot in front of a horse to get the horse to do something. Right? Um, but he said, teach me to do your will. God is willing to teach you if you're willing to learn. God will show you if you inquire. You know, he said, seek me and what? You will find. You know, there was a song by you too that was pretty popular I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. That's not in my nose. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Here is a prayer that you can pray that will help you discover God's will if you haven't discovered it already. I prayed this many times, and after praying it many times, then I heard clearly what God wanted me to do. But this is an important prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossians. We can pray for ourselves, or you can even pray for someone else. But it's a very powerful prayer that will help you discover what God's will is. Verse 9, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Isn't that awesome? That God has made it so easy to, for someone who doesn't know what his will is to discover what his will is. You can actually ask God and he will actually tell you. Okay? He said... Pray and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. That way you're not empty of His knowledge. He says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, once you know what God's will is, He'll give you the wisdom to make the right choices, and He'll give you the understanding to operate in it. And then it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord. See, doing God's will is really about how you live, how you walk, but it's how you honor God in, in everything. Unto all pleasing. You know, doing God's will is really pleasing Him. It's doing what He likes and not doing what He doesn't like. Isn't that what friends do? Friends don't continually do things that other friends don't like. 
what's your problem, man? I don't like this. Stop giving me it. Right? Friends want to do what friends like, not what they don't like. You're not going to give your friend a cake that they despise the flavor of. Amen? And then it says being fruitful in every good work. See, if, if you're going to be fruitful in good works, see, you've got to know what a good, a good work is a God work. Yeah. There's just one letter difference. God is good. Amen. And if you're going to do a good, a good work, it's something that God would do. Yeah. And increasing in the knowledge of God. See, doing God's will is about knowing Him, and we're continually increasing. You know, the knowledge of God is progressive. Yeah. He is continually showing us Aspects of him and his nature and his characteristics that we hadn't seen before. Strengthen with all might. Listen, it takes a strong person to do God's will. And he'll strengthen you with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joy. You're going to need the fruit of the Spirit to do God's will. God wants you to produce spiritual fruit. Amen? So, go with me to Matthew chapter 7. And this is going to take the bulk of what we want to talk about today. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we'll read it and we'll talk about it. Amen? So, I want to encourage you. It's never too late to discover what God's will is. It's never too early. Do you know how many people knew what God's will is before they were born? Samson, Samuel, John the Baptist, Jesus. God said, this is what you're going to name them, because this is what they're going to do. So that tells me that God's will for you has been pre-you coming into being. That means he had a will for you, he had a design for you before you were ever born, and his design and will for you still stands while you're living. And whether or not, if you do it, that's up to you. But I encourage you to do it. There's great rewards for doing God's will. You won't regret it. Because there's no other person who knows what you've been created to do except for God. Now, other people might have an inkling, but God made you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what personality you have. He knows how you think. He knows what motivates you. He knows what excites you. Why? He made you. Yeah. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. See, our headquarters is not on earth. It is in heaven. That's where the center of all communication comes from. Can you imagine we're connected to heaven? Verse 22 Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have we not cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. I want you to notice they never praised God for what he did. 
They were talking about what they did, supposedly. In his, did you know that someone could prophesy in the name of Jesus and it be false? Jesus talked about all kinds of false prophets throughout the world. And, and just because you say something, you've got to have the actions to back it up. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. How many would, would, would value greater the people's opinion or Jesus' opinion? They thought of themselves that they were doing God's will when Jesus himself said, I never knew you. In other words, he said, I don't know what you're doing. Because I didn't tell you to do it. You're not doing it for me, even though you say you're doing it for me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus told these people who said, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. Did you know someone could do something as part of a group but not do it themselves? Could, you, could Judas cast out devils? He could have. He was a disciple of Jesus, wasn't he? Except he couldn't prevent the devil from entering him. Did King Saul, did he ever prophesy? But he wasn't a prophet. Although he prophesied so much in one day that people thought he was. But he wasn't. But what happened to him? He decided not to do God's will. Okay? So Jesus said, I never knew you. We'll, 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 we'll get into this. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them. Does what? Does what he says. I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. See, God's will is a rock. It's something that you can actually build your life on, and when trouble comes up, because trouble will come up, you will stand strong. But it's those who aren't doing God's will that will get wiped away. Alright? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was bounced upon the rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not. Now who's talking here? Can he lie? Does he tell the truth? Is what he said for sure? Yeah. Exactly. Everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Alright? So let's get into this. Are you ready? Okay? So, we know that Jesus said, you've got to hear his word, and you've got to do it. That's what doing his will is. He's talking about people who enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Will everyone enter the kingdom of heaven? Only those who accept Jesus Christ 
And when you accept Jesus, you accept his way of living. His way of doing. Right? He is the truth. Okay? In order to enter God's kingdom, we've got to do God's will, not just talk about it. Not just think about it. But you know what? He, he encouraged us. James said, be a what of the word? A doer. Say, I'm a doer. Say, I'm about to do something great. Did you know that the smallest act of obedience to God produces the greatest results for your life? Just to give you an example, this is a little side journey, not in my nose. But how many know of a, of a man named Paul? Right? He was an apostle or half the New Testament. And there was a man by the name of Ananias. Now, we only hear Ananias in chapter 9 of Acts. He was told Paul had just had an encounter with the Lord. Right? And uh, Paul is deciding whether or not he's going to obey God. God gave him three days. Right? And God told Ananias, I want you to go to a man named Paul. He's at this location. Inquire for him. And uh, Ananias said, but we've heard some things about him, Lord. And God said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. So God communicated to Ananias what he wanted him to do. And Ananias took what God said, and he did what God said. He heard it, and he did it. So would you say that Ananias is doing God's will? So he goes, he finds Paul exactly where God said. You're going to find that out. You will find out that whatever God said is true. Yeah. You, can, you can search it out. You can research it. You can investigate it. You can uh, inquire about it. But you're going to find that exactly what God said is exactly what God said. Yeah. So, Ananias, he goes to Paul. He walks in he says, Brother Paul. Mm-hmm. At, at that time it was Saul. But he said, Brother Saul, before his name was changed, and see, God already had a, Paul already had a vision of Ananias coming and laying his hands on him. And so Ananias came, laid his hands on him, Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost, scales fell off his eyes, he got baptized, and then he ate some food. <laughs> He'd been fasting for three days. But we never hear about Ananias again. But he obeyed God. He did what God wanted him to do in that moment, and he got God's reward. See, some people think that in order to do God's will, you have to do something great. But actually, you just have to take a step. You just have to speak a word. You just have to start moving in the direction that God tells you to go. You just have to do what God says do. Amen? Because that's what's going to matter. And as you start to listen to God in little things, and you're faithful in those little things, He'll make great bigger things come your way. All right. So, God's will, he, God wants you part of His kingdom. It is God's will for you to come to Jesus. Who did God give Jesus to? The world. Right? Everybody on this planet, doesn't matter what you believe, where you're from, where you live, what language you speak, what you look like, God gave Jesus to you, and God wants everyone to accept Jesus. That's His will. 
But there's a lot of people who haven't obeyed that well. There's a lot of people, for whatever reason, reject Jesus. And everyone who rejects Jesus is not doing God's will. Okay? God's will is for you to obey His Word. Right? God, the Bible talks about obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? My, my, my nephew, who's what, 33 now or 32? And uh, he's Cal and Kristen's son, oldest son. But when he was little and we were visiting um, New Zealand, he had this phrase. And he said, obey your mother and father. Because he had a little accent back then. You know? But that was his, obey your mother and father. Right? Did you know that God wants you to obey Him? And it doesn't matter what He tells you to do. It's not our job to reason what God says. It's just our job to do what God says. How many are committed to doing what God says? Okay? God's will is for you to love God and love people. The whole entire law hangs on these two things. Love God, love people. Amen? God wants you to do that. That's His will for us. Okay? God, God's will is for you to share His message to the world. However you can. The first way we share God's message is by living the life before people. Did you know that you can share His message without saying a word? But then He also wants people to actually say words. He wants you to witness he wants you to testify. You've got something to, if God has touched your life, you've got something to say. Yeah. And all he wants, how many has ever been to a good restaurant? How many has ever told their friends about the good restaurant they went to? Right? You tell, you tell your friends and your family about the good experiences, but when it comes to Jesus, oh, I'm afraid to do that. Well, you told them about the restaurant, why not tell them about Jesus? Just talk about bread. He's the bread of life. God can use food. He's the best bread. He's the best bread you've ever tasted. God's will for us is to live for Him by His principles. Did you know that we can't live any way that we want to? We can't live by our feelings. We can't live by the opinions of others. But what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Amen? Amen. I got other scriptures, but we're going to be camping on Matthew 7 today. (laughs) See, God's will is about what you do, how you live, what you value, who you honor, what governs your thoughts, actions, words, and responses. God's will is about what you do, who you honor, how you live. Did you know that we are representatives of Jesus? Every believer in Christ Jesus is an ambassador, and every believer has a ministry of reconciliation. We've got to think of ourselves as ambassadors. An ambassador representing a country can't just go and do whatever he wants to. He's got to do what represents his country that sent him. Right. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, you get called back. You get fired. God's will is not to do evil. 
You know, there's a lot. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I've I got to read this. You can also read something similar in Galatians 5, but due to time constraint, we're not going to go there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want you to notice what will disqualify someone from not inheriting the kingdom of God. Okay? Is this Bible? Is the Bible true? Amen. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? What is an unrighteous person? Someone who has rejected Jesus. You are unrighteous until you accept Jesus. The moment you accept Jesus, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you reject Jesus, you are unrighteous. Shall not... Inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. Such were some of you, but you are washed and are sanctified. Hallelujah. And really... You could, there's a lot in that list, but those are some people who refuse to change. They have, they are continually doing it, not just a mistake, but this is their lifestyle. This is how they live. They're doing it every day, and they're not changing. They're not repenting, okay? That's the context. Not just because you do it once, all right? It's just that they refuse to repent. When you refuse to repent, you're saying, God, I don't need to change. How many know... We all we ought to be like babies. We love changes. <laughs> Amen. You know what a baby needs to be changed? They let you know. And they don't stop until they're changed. Right then, like, oh yes, I celebrate change. <laughs> okay. The kingdom of God is what you build on. You know, you've got to lay the foundation. Doing God's will is the foundation. Yeah. Go to First Corinthians chapter three. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Alright? Let's just look at some building materials that we could build our lives with. Okay? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 9 to 16. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. That word husbandry means garden or building. You are God's building. And so all of us are God's building. Right? We are the temple of God. This, this building isn't the It's a house of God, but it houses the temple, temples of God. Okay? According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder... I have laid the foundation, and another builds upon, but let every man take heed how he builds. You've got to be aware of what kind of things you're building your life with. Okay? For no other foundation, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation begins with the relationship with Jesus. 
You come into a relationship with Jesus by accepting Him as Lord, believing He's God's Son, and inviting Him into your life. He never forces His way, He only comes by invitation. So, God's given us, everyone, an invitation, He says, RSVP. The more promptly you respond, the better off it is for you. Right? Now, God has even accepted people's invitation in the last hour. Thief on the cross. He's dying. He's hanging. But he got an invitation. He, he responded to the invitation. And he, came, he was with Jesus when he breathed his last breath. So God's very patient. But the longer we're without Jesus, the more the enemy can come into our lives and steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? Alright, verse 12. Now, if any man build this foundation, gold, silver, Precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. So your building material is this. Gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. Right? How many know the story of three little pigs? Right? One built his house of straw. One built his house of sticks. One built his house of bricks. And only the bricks could withstand the blow of the big bad wolf. Right? Every other house was blown away. Okay? Verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. You cannot hide what you've been building your life on. The building materials, the quality of work, what you've been building your life on will be made apparent to all. Okay? And... Alright. For the day shall declare it. What day? The day of judgment. God's going to, he's going to do, he's the building inspector. And he's going to determine what materials went into your building and whether or not they'll be able to withstand the fire. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Say, shall receive an award, a reward. Notice you've got to use building materials that last. You've got to build your life on things that are eternal. You've got to build your life on things that God's in because God's eternal. That which will last is those who do God's will. That's the only thing that's going to cause you... If any man's work, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What kind of loss is he talking about? You have less to give to Jesus at the end of your life. Because if you've used wood, hay, and stubble to build your life, your senses, your feelings, this world system, desires for lust for other things other than God, if you built your life on those things, it's going to burn up. But if you build your life with gold, did you know that God paves the streets with gold? It's going to be the, the sweetest, slickest pavement you've ever seen. I can't wait to get to heaven. Wait. Let me finish. Growing up, I lived in a house that had wood floors 
and it had beautiful wood frames, and they stuck out like an inch. I could actually uh, grab onto them and do pull-ups when I was less. <laughs> pull-ups of me now, we don't see eye to eye. Anyway, we had a hallway that went from the, the bathroom and the rooms all the way into the living room. And when I was younger, I could get up a good run. I could run and I could slide all the way into the living room in my socks. And that's what I want to do in heaven. When I get there, not now, not tomorrow, but after I've completed my course, I want to, I want to get my speed up in heaven and I want to run as fast as I can and slide on those streets of gold. Someone once said, what's the difference between a backslider and a holy roller? Oh, the other person said, that's easy. A backslider slides back, but a holy roller rolls in. And then sometimes you've got to roll in. Hallelujah. So what have you been building your life on? Only a foundation that's built on God's will. Doing God's will. How often should we do God's will? Weekly? Monthly? Quarterly? Every day, right? Everybody say every day. Every day is a new set of opportunities and choices whether or not we're going to do God's will. And that all depends on how well we're listening to Him. If you don't have communication or conversation with God, you're not going to know what His will is. If you're not studying the Word, you're not going to know what His will is. And if you don't know what His will is, you might miss the blessing that's attached with it. Amen? We have to live, doing God's will is living your life through a filter. What do I mean by that? Our filter is God, His Word, and His Holy Spirit. Those are the filters by which we need to live. If God doesn't accept it, we shouldn't accept it either. If God rejects it, we should reject it. Amen? Because why? We're, we ought to live our lives in complete agreement with God. Okay? What, what God says, what He thinks... What you know about him, his nature, his characteristics, his attributes, all that comes into play in doing God's will. Whose will is it? It's God's will. Say it's God's will. Not my will. Jesus himself demonstrated this in the greatest, most testing time of his life. He's about to be betrayed by one of his followers. He's about to be taken from his followers. He's about to be Falsely accused, falsely tried, beaten, mocked, whipped, scourged, you name it. He experienced it. And he is praying with his three closest disciples who couldn't stay awake for an hour. Peter, James, and John. The fishermen that he filled their boats of. He said, you guys stay here. I'm going to go over here. Pray with me. The Bible describes his soul being extremely sorrowful. There was a lot of emotion and contention going on. There was a battle between the flesh and the spirit that was taking place. He had to make a choice. 
Three times. Lord, if this cup can pass from me, if there's another way, if there's a difference, let this cup pass from me. But he made a conclusion, not my will, but yours. Be done. And that's how Jesus lived. Jesus told us in John 5, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus lived his life doing the Father's will. He never disagreed. He never argued. He never reasoned. He never even asked why because he knew what his Father wanted. How did he know what his Father wanted? He was in constant communication with his dad. Amen? So, doing God's will is about what you're surrendered to. Did you know that when, when someone is conquered, the conqueree, if that's a word, I don't care if it is or not, <laughs> you know they have to surrender? You know the South? Surrender to the North in the Civil War. Germany surrendered to the Allied forces. Because why? They were defeated. So who are you surrendered to? Jesus didn't defeat you, but he asked for volunteers who will voluntarily give their life. Are you a volunteer for Jesus? See, it's about who you surrender to, who you follow, who you reflect, who you resemble. Did you know that who we reflect shows up in our conversations and our actions and what we do? What we do points to who we're surrendered to. It could be ourselves. It could be the world. It could be something else. But it points to who we're surrendered to. The Christian life is a life of surrender. That means I'm laying down my will and I'm taking your will. I'm laying down my plans and I'm under your plans. Amen? It's ultimately, why are you living? Who are you living for? Out of all the choices that are available to you, choosing God and doing His will, that's the only thing that will last. So, you don't want to wait till Judgment Day before you make that choice. Let's make that choice today. How do we find God's will? We know Him. We hear Him. Jesus said, if you hear me and you do what I say, everybody say, hear Him. him. Know Him. him. Obey Him. him. He said, you've got to understand it. Do you know that the book of Proverbs is full about getting understanding? He said, with all my getting, get understanding. I mean, he, he tells us to get understanding. We can, how do we understand? Did you know that we've got the greatest teacher available to us called the Holy Spirit? Yeah. He can explain anything. Yeah. You can ask him questions. You can have a conversation with him. This is how we find God's will. We do what he says. We agree with his desires, his wants, and what he expects. We make his expectations our expectations. What is, what is God's will in your finances? I mean, 
Do you really want to have to work three jobs to get by? Where your friend, how many people have become workaholics? They've gotten addicted to work. And workaholics, they neglect their family. They neglect the important things. And they, they, they build things that are not going to last. The Bible is good with work. But he doesn't want you to be a workaholic. He doesn't want you to make work your God. And when work takes you away from God, it's becoming an idol. It's becoming an idol. And we know how much God hates idols. Amen? Did you know that we can communicate with God? We can fellowship with God. Fellowship is, is so important to the body of Christ. I'm almost done. We can listen to Him. We can respect, reverence, and honor Him. How many know that when God is talking, well, how, how, how do you know when God is talking? When it agrees with His Word, you know that He's talking. Yeah. See, if you want to get into God's will, you're going to have to discern His voice. God has a voice. If my mom called me on the telephone, I don't have to answer. I don't have to ask, who is this? I know my mom's voice. i got to tell you a funny story. One time, um, my parents were away. This is when I was younger. wasn't married yet. And uh, I was living in Illinois. And uh, my mom called the house. And I answered. And she said, Doug, are you home? I said, well, yes, I'm home. This is the way you called. <laughs> and we didn't have cell phones back then. You know, of course I'm home. This is the number that you called. I'm home, yes. But you know, I've come to know my mom's voice. Why? Because I spent a lot of time with my mom and my dad. I know his voice. We've got to know the voice of God. And if you're not hearing his voice, maybe you're not spending enough time with him. Maybe you're not fellowshipping with him enough. Amen? I'm helping you to improve. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. All right. I can see the finish line. I'll be done in just a minute. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Moses thought that. Right? God, God appeared to Moses in a flaming bush, no less. I mean, God put a spotlight in the wilderness to get his attention. How many of God knows how to get your attention? God knows where you are. I mean, if he can talk to Jonah in the belly of a fish, he can certainly talk to you. Amen? There wasn't any lost communication in the first submarine ride, which really wasn't the most pleasant submarine ride in the belly of the fish. But God talked to him, didn't he? God talked to Pharaoh through Moses. Hey, if you let us go, we'll get rid of the frogs. Ah, oh, we'll just keep the frogs one more day. Are you kidding me? Slap Pharaoh. 
Anyway. If you don't know that story, read about it. Frogs were everywhere. In the ovens, in the showers, in the beds, on the countertops, in the cupboards. And you want to put up one more night with the frogs? You've got some issues. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now, that's God's favorite word. Now. Now faith is. God is the God of now. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today, this moment, we have a decision to make. Whether or not we're going to do what God wants us to do from this moment on. Whether or not you're doing what He wants. If you're doing what He wants, you've got to continue to do it. If you're not doing what He wants, then you need to change and you need to make a decision today. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Woo, he's the resurrected. That great shepherd of the sheep. Isn't he a great shepherd? Man, I tell you what, he takes good care of his sheep. Alright? Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect. That word perfect in the Bible it means complete, mature. Okay? Make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Oh my goodness. That tells me we have no excuses. God has given us everything. God has equipped us with everything we need to do what He wants us to do at any given moment, any given day, at any given time. He makes you perfect. In every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Those who do God's will are going to experience glory forever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to stop. The party's never going to end. The lights are never going to go out. Those who do God's will. Those who do what God wants. Those who are in line with God. He's equipped to sound equipped to do his will. So you're out of excuses. Why stay in a state of rebellion and resistance? Paul thought he was doing God's will by persecuting Christians. Moses thought he was doing God's will by leading sheep. You realize after he left, he held a prominent position in Egypt, and he had to spend 40 years on the backside of the desert leading sheep. I don't know about, uh, this ain't God's will. I don't want God to be here with these sheep. I should be with the princess. Well, you killed somebody, so you messed up, pal. (laughs) It wasn't God's will for him to kill people to deliver Israel. He, he needed to use God's power. Yeah. He tried to use his own experience, his own knowledge, his own skill, what he knew. He wasn't doing God's will when he did that. Right. It messed him up. God had to retrain him for 40 years. Hmm. God had to train Moses that sheep respond to the shepherd's voice. Just like Moses the sheep needed to respond to the great shepherd's voice. Yeah. 
How many times did God encounter people who weren't doing his will, but in a moment they started to do his will in that moment when they had an encounter with him? Amen? Amen. How about the woman caught in adultery? She thought she was doing her will. God said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Do you think she went and sinned anymore? Not in that area anyway. Why? She had an encounter with Jesus. She encountered forgiveness. She experienced His grace. He set her on the right course. She was on a wrong course, doing her own passion, her own lust. But she had met Jesus. And that changed the course of her life. How about Jesus' disciples? They went from fishing to being a disciple overnight. They, they brought the fish to the shore. They left their nets, left their boats, and followed Jesus. So that they could find out what his will was for their life. And then when he left, the man who denied Jesus three times was the man whom God used to preach on the day of Pentecost. See, even when you make make a mistake, even when you mess up, it's not over for you. There's an opportunity to turn around. There's an opportunity to change. God has given you an opportunity. He'll give you an opportunity to do His will if you missed it yesterday. He'll give you another opportunity today. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. His mercies are new every morning. But don't be in a perpetual state of resisting what he says to do. The prodigal son. Then I'm done. Hey dad, I want all my inheritance now. Two brothers, youngest one. Dad says, okay, here's your part. Dad didn't do anything else. Dad gave him his inheritance. What did the man do with his inheritance? He lived his life in a riotous way, the Bible says. He indulged in this. He indulged in that. He wore this. He drove that. He had this party. He had that party. Where did he get it? In a pig pen. When he was wanting to eat what the pigs eat. When you want to eat what a pig eats, you're in a pretty bad place. I've seen some pigs. I don't want to eat what they eat. No way, Jose. But he did his own will. He was unaccountable. He did what he wanted to do. He did what felt good. But then, his money ran out. And so did his friends. Now his best friends were porky. <laughs> but he made a choice. He he began to think about his father's servants and how well they dress and what good food they eat. And he thought, if I can just be a servant. But see, the father never wanted him to be a servant. The father always wanted him to be a son. Right. It's true. But when he realized this, he made his journey out of the pig pen. 
See, when you do your own will, you're going to end up in the muck and the mire. But when you do God's will, no, and listen, just because you do God's will doesn't mean you're never going to have a challenge. It's not going to be a bed of rose petals. And you're going to be flying through the air. No. Doing God's will, do you know that the enemy will resist you? You will have challenges and choices that you'll have to make in every situation. So, prodigal son went home. He was completely restored. New robe, new sandals, didn't smell like pig anymore. Praise God. You know, the father hugged him with all of his filth. Yeah. Father said, no, son, you need to take a shower. No, father was so glad to see him. And I've got to tell you one, one other thing of my own personal life. I knew that I was going to get married someday. And I was bold to tell my co-workers that I'm, going to, I'm saving myself till marriage. I said it all the time. I said it often. I wasn't ashamed about it. I took the stand for what's right. I mean, of course, people make fun of me sometimes. And I'm going to tell you, I was at a party one night. Because in my later teenage years, I backslid. Because the church that I was going to, they left. They weren't making it. And so they moved away. And so I was kind of a sheep without a shepherd. My sister was out of the house who led me to the Lord. And uh, I was just hanging around my, my, my friends in high school. And we were at a party one night. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with those kinds, but there's lots of alcohol there. And uh, I walked into this room. And there was a girl there, naked. Now, men are wired for sight. But you know what? I walked out of that room and I said, I'm saving myself to marriage. I kept saying to her, I walked out. You know, I, I saved myself for him. Because I, I made a decision in my life that that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live pure. I'm going to live holy. Because God touched my life. And that means you've got to say no to sin sometimes. Not, not uh, let me rephrase it, not sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's never acceptable to say yes to sin. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, that's the other time. No, it's never acceptable to say, say yes to sin. That's what Joseph said. When Potiphar's wife kept tempting him, she wasn't ugly. Amen? But he said, how can I commit this thing against God? And he left. I did the same thing. I was in... More opportunities than that. And I, guess what? I said the same thing. And my wife is the only one. Amen? Amen. Who gets this? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Well, we're married, amen? I waited until I was married. Why? 
Because you've got to be serious about doing God's will. And you've got to love God more than your flesh. More than this world. And you, you, you'll be tempted to not give to God like you should. You know, there's four things that will attack a young man. I call them the four G's. Glory, or three actually. Glory, gold, and girls. They'll either make you or break you. Amen? So, but I just said that to say this. I made a decision to do God's will, and that involved tough choices, but you know what? I'm glad I did God's will. And I'm continually striving to... You know, every time I preach, I've been doing this for over 18 years. I've been pastoring for 18 years, but you know, I preached before. I traveled. I always ask God, what do you want to say to the people today? And yes, I'm a note taker. I have notes. I mean, I have 10 pages of notes just for today. Seriously. But I don't give you all 10 pages. I learned that, amen. Ooh, that's an overload went to BCF. I got overloaded today. More than I could have. But I'm always, while I'm preaching, I'm listening. And if God wants to go a different direction, I'm good to go. Wherever he wants to go, that's where I'm going. Whatever he wants to do, that's what I'm going to do. And I've lived my life this way. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you today. You'll, you won't be disappointed doing God's will. Amen. 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 And God, when you do God's will, he'll take you to places. Yeah. I've gotten to go to Kenya, India, Guyana, Sierra Leone, Czech Republic. Uh, I've gotten to go to other places, Canada, Mexico. Amen. God, God brought me to those places. I never thought I could could have done it on my own, but God brought me. Amen. God is a good God, and you will benefit greatly by doing His will. Why don't you stand here?